1: Now, it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
2: And good morning, everybody. Welcome in. This is Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito in for David Haw today. Hope you and your family are getting ready to have a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. And Bruce, I know one team having a very good holiday season thus far, and unfortunately, they're in Los Angeles.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Yamamoto getting $325 million plus 50 million dollar posting this week to go on top of the Otani signing, the Dodgers uh along with the Glasnow trade and and then extending him to 123 million have now spent over 1 billion 1.1 $1. $1 billion dollars in three players moving forward in the offseason here kind of throwing everybody including the Cubs and White Sox to a certain extent off of the point of trying to add to their teams. It's been uh, a very difficult process so far, Mike, for all the other clubs, waiting to see what Otani does, waiting to see what Yamamoto does, now both with the Dodgers. So it's um, it's an interesting thing now, whether or not with uh, just one day until Christmas, the uh, teams are going to get going here and the markets are going to open up.
2: 312-644-6767. We are here every Saturday morning from nine to eleven. We want to hear from you, the Chicago baseball fan, and your Christmas wish list for both the Cubs and the White Sox, and uh, also a, a subset to what we've been talking about, Bruce, is what the Dodgers are doing, is that good for the game of baseball? Is it too much for one team? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And uh you know, we, we can talk about it, how it affects the Cubs, and we will talk about that as well uh, with you as well. Three one two 6767 We're broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And, you know, part of my thinking with this, Bruce, is you talk about the other free agents out there, and more specifically for the Cubs, Cody Bellinger. With one team getting both high-priced free agents thus far this off season. It doesn't take a lot of chess pieces off the board for for teams vying for for belly. You have you have still have all of those teams that have money to spend. Now, will Bellinger be a guy who uh, considers his one year experience here, which we know was positive? I recall you talked to him. I think it was the very final series in Milwaukee uh, about his Chicago experience.
3: Well, I think the the thing to concentrate on is. Teams do have money to spend, but if your name isn't Otani or Yamamoto, do they want to spend it on you? Okay, so you're you're next to free agents up that are considered the creme de la creme. To borrow a phrase from my old friend Chet Copick <laughs> uh, in baseball, would be the top hitter in the game that's available as a free agent is Bellinger. Yep, the top pitcher out there is Blake Snell. Now the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, and a guy that was twelve and nine in one hundred and eighty-eighty innings, two point two five ERA, had a great year, uh, but uh, also had some years before that where he didn't throw more than one hundred and twenty-eight innings in in two consecutive years, three years, because of COVID in 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 two thousand and twenty. So from from that perspective, Mike. You have, Bell- you have Bellinger, who had a fantastic year and should get paid, okay? Yep. How many years and how much money is that, all right, in, in your mind? Because Bellinger had two subpar years the years before that, uh, where he was barely breaking a pane of glass, okay? Mm-hmm. With that in mind, you we come back to your premise of talking about, well, teams have a lot of money to spend. They do. But is it going to be spent on the idea of uh, Scott Boros thinking that he needs 10 years for Bellinger and eight years for Snell? Or is it based on the fact that their names are not Yamamoto? Their name is not Otani. So from your perspective, you know, what's realistic for a team like the Cubs, Mets, Yankees, to look at Bellinger, to look at Snell and go, you know, uh, well, they're good players, but are they difference makers that are, are worthy of 8-, 9-, 10-year contracts?
2: To me, the answer there is no. And certainly, I'm going to start with Snell because I have his numbers right here in front of me. Plus his age, he's a 31-year-old guy coming into uh, next season. And as you mentioned, Cy Young Award winner, his second. He won it back in 18 with Tampa. When he was twenty one and five, but fourteen and nine with a two two five ERA last year, a war of six, which is great. But his previous one, two, three, four, five seasons were, you know, capped with, you know, injury. You had a lot of struggles in there. The numbers were not great. In fact, if you sandwich his two Cy Young seasons, eighteen and twenty-three, you know, the, the seasons in the middle there were, were not all that great. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a good Major League pitcher, but I, I would absolutely not be going long-term in any stretch of the imagination with a guy like Snell.
3: That said, you're not the desperate other 29 Correct. teams that want <laughs> a, 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 an ace pitcher and a, a three- or four-hitter in the lineup. So with that in mind, and, and again, desperate might be the wrong word, <clears throat> they're certainly in need of. Do they overpay because this is the marketplace rather than this is the player for the future. Bellinger is certainly at age 28, a good commodity and someone that proved he could really help people out. Okay. He can be your third or fourth hitter, but for how long and how consistent is that going to be? Snell again, 31, you know, innings pitched 180, but before that, nothing more than 128 for four years. So, inconsistency doesn't tell me as a general manager, Mike, that I'm going to give them seven, eight, 10 year contracts. And I don't think the Cubs are going to go that far on Bellinger. By the way, this is inside the club. I he's Mike and Bruce. We're here with you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball, David Haw, certainly a part of the program, taking a little sabbatical right now over the next few weeks. And Mike, uh, Our our show theme today is, Cubs and Sox fans, what is your Christmas wish list to add to your team? Is it a trade? Is it a free agent? Is it a um, hoping for the maturity of somebody in your farm system? If you're the White Sox, do you feel that Colin Montgomery is your shortstop ready to move up, even only after... Um, a full year at Double A. Is he your guy? Is he ready to go? These are the things we're asking from you as your Christmas holiday gifts.
2: 847-TEXTER at 312-644-6767. Uh, feel free to shoot us your text with your wish list. This guy has his Cubs wish list as do something! exclamation point. Signing Bellinger is a must at this point. But And this is what you and I had talked about uh, pre-show. That just gets the team back to par on the offense from where it was last year. So that is it. let's go down that rabbit hole because the Cubs were a a near playoff team last year with Cody Bellinger, with Marcus Stroman. Those are guys that are not there any longer. They're free agents. The Cubs have yet to really add anything this offseason, anything major, with the exception being, of course, Craig Council, the new manager. But in terms of signing Bellinger, that just gets them back to where they were, right? You, you, Your team won 84 games last year with Bellinger playing center field and first base.
3: Right. I think it was 83. But, 83, you know, sorry. Whatever. It, it, it was right there. They were a better team. The, the question is, and if Jed Hoyer is sitting here right now, Mike, in that other chair next to us, I'd say, <laughs> well, bringing Bellinger back, okay, that gets you back to even as to what you were last year. You still haven't signed another pitcher, starting pitcher, so you're not quite there yet because Stroman left, Mm -hmm. right? Although they didn't really have Stroman to count on in the second half of last year. So with that in mind, how would you project yourself to being better in 2024? And his answer would be, this is December 23rd, Bruce, okay? Mm -hmm. We have a long way to go before the season starts. We expect to be active. We expect to spend money. We expect to make trades. Uh, I think that's all good. And, and, and the inventory they do have with a, a minor league system that is well thought of right now is different for a Cub team rather than having to rely on free agency to get them to the next level of competing and winning in their division. Mm-hmm.
2: No, and there's no doubt. And you could say that the team like the Dodgers that added the top two uh, free agents, both pitcher and hitter on their You look at their lineup and they they still need things, right? They still need pitching. They still, you know, Kershaw's gone. Bueller's just coming back. The Dodgers need things still, despite spending all that money. And you can argue that, you know, spending a billion, one, whatever it is, still hasn't solved all their problems. It hasn't won them anything, right?
3: I mean, they still have holes. Let's take it a step further, Mike. Um, They... According to some experts, um, are not picked to win their division. Yeah. So right. the Arizona Arizona Diamondbacks, the reigning National League champions, added a, a solid starting pitcher from the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Uh, to already very good starting pitching and a young, vibrant team that's under contract for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best defensive teams in baseball. It has a pretty good bullpen. So with that in mind, some people are saying, yeah, the Dodgers have added the two best free agents by far and the two best, maybe the two best players uh, in the game going forward, uh, depending on how Yamamoto pitches. But they're not the favorites. Now, you spend a billion dollars and people are saying it's not enough. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to look at it,
2: and I get Otani is brought in, and the Cubs were, as you mentioned and we talked about on previous shows. The Cubs were all in on trying to get Otani. He brings a ton to the table. He won't pitch in 24. He plans to pitch in 25. There's tons of off-the-field stuff that he brings in as well. Uh, but they get Otani. They get Yamamoto. A 12-year deal for a pitcher, though, and we were talking about this as well. Even though he's 25, he was the best pitcher in Japan three years running. Twelve year deal for a pitcher, that's that's a long deal. It's a long deal for any player, but certainly for a pitcher with with uh, a lot of mileage
3: on that arm already. So looking at, at this, Mike, uh, you know, you, you look at those contracts, but do you say, you know, the Dodgers just don't care because they get three hundred million dollars a year from their TV contract, goes another twelve years. They can spend frivolously and, and not be concerned with whether this all works out or not. But the reality is, is that the Dodgers, except for 2020, they've been to the playoffs 11 years in a row, which is fantastic. And by the way, we're going to talk to Ned Colletti at the top of the next hour, former general manager, um, and also Franklin Park native, uh, to talk about what it's like in Dodger nation to run the Dodgers. Um, You have a, a team that actually won in 2020 in 60 games if you believe that's a full year. Other than that, even though they've been to the playoffs 11 years in a row, they haven't won the World Series since 1988. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a big deal. That that drives yeah. them there and and they're going to do everything they can. They have a very good farm system. They have all kinds of money. Uh they have arguably one of the best, if not the best President of Baseball Operations in uh, Friedman. Mm-hmm. so uh, everything's a go. But all of a sudden, baseball happens, and sometimes at the end of the year, a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks is representing the National League in the World Series. Yeah,
2: there's no doubt about it, and it's hard to believe. But as you mentioned, the Kirk Gibson uh, Game One heroics—that was the last year that the Dodgers won the World Series. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Bruce, we have. Lots of callers to get to, and we will start on the south side. Ron joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, guys.
4: Um, two, two things uh, regarding um, the Dodgers. I look at this from two perspectives. With Otani being just a global star in the appeal, and him playing uh, in, you know, with the Dodgers a premier. Um, team in baseball. I, I like that because anything that will generate interest for baseball, I like. Conversely, in, in terms of competitive balance, you all mentioned last week the the, the television contract. So, see, uh, so I have mixed emotions. I am a little concerned. The best thing about sports when it's competitive. Now, uh, regarding the White Sox, uh, one thing I want them to do is trade. Eloy, I don't care what they get for him. I just can't watch him anymore. And secondly, (laughs) if um, Chris Gens has to get it right, and uh, with 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 the pitcher, and I hope he trades for. I mean, to Baltimore, I looked at Baltimore's has top rated farm system and a lot of great position players. So when he trades, cease. I just hope he gets it right. So thanks,
3: guys. Yeah, Ron. Happy holidays to you, you, Ron. Thank you. Cut him off, but appreciate it, Ron. If you trade Dylan Cease, you have to get top people back, right? But they have to get pitching, okay? Yep. That's a must. If you're you're looking at the White Sox offseason here, yes, they want to improve their positions, but the quickest way, Mike, in their mind, and again, I'm talking about the Chicago White Sox and their philosophy, the quickest way back to being a relevant force in the Central and in Major League Baseball is to enhance their pitching, their young pitching, and that's what they're going to have to get. If you trade Dylan Cease, you're going to have to get two of the top players in the minor league system or already a first-year player with still five years left of contract control to the White Sox along with maybe a position player or two. But – Pitching and really good pitching is what the White Sox want. And and every organization is different. When you, know, when you talk about St. Louis or Detroit or Los Angeles, just because it's a number one prospect or a number three prospect in one organization doesn't translate to them being considered in the top 50 players mm-hmm. in the minor league systems all across all 30.
2: Well, and the White Sox have experience with this, right? When they traded – Chris Sale, I mean, Yoan Moncada was the number one prospect in baseball at the time, right? And I'm not trying to pick on Yoan Moncada in a way. I guess I am though, right? I mean, he was, he is a good player. He clearly has talent, but overall, his body of work, you know, leaves a lot to be desired, right? I mean, that's that's a guy you got in that he was the centerpiece of that Chris Sale deal.
3: What what has uh impacted the White Sox and kind of put them in a um hold position with Mankata is that in 2019, he was arguably the top three or four players in baseball. So he had realized his um, potential that year. Mm -hmm. Since then, it's been about injury and lack of production that have taken him down from 2020 on. You remember he was one of the first players that we found out had COVID. He, He actually didn't show up to spring training for many weeks that year. Uh, after that, in 2021, uh, because of the fact that he was sick, okay, he was never the same player again. In many people's opinions, since then, and a lot of it has to do with injury. But he hasn't been the reliable player that they need him to be to be a uh, a championship caliber player on an everyday basis. So he has one year left at 25 million. Probably see you later after that.
2: Some people on the text line would like to uh, package Moncada in a cease trade. We heard Ron uh, express uh, forcefully that he wants Aloy sent away, whether it's a cease trade or not. But, I mean, there's going to be a, a new-look lineup out there this year for for your Chicago White Sox. Let's get to another call or two here before we break. Bruce, Ray is out in Norland Park, and Ray joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Morning, Ray. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good, Ray.
5: So, I wanted to touch
2: base on uh, um, uh,
5: Blake Snell and uh, Corey Bellinger for a minute, but I I also realized that what I'm going to propose, Boris probably will say no to it. I think uh, Snell, no more than five years. You're going to have to pay him regardless. Um, And I think Corey is an interesting bird because of his two down years. I probably would offer him seven years and a lot of money as well. Um, But, bottom line, the Cubs need starting pitching big time, and the left-handed bat. So I think they really have to push hard for the two of them. Uh, with regard to your comments about Stroman leaving, um, frankly, I thought he gave up when he tried to make that play for uh, contract extension in the middle of the season, and he didn't get what he wanted, so he pouted, and then he got hurt. Um, but I, he would not be a person. I'm, I'm kind of glad he opted out of the contract because I think he would have underperformed anyway. Yep. But those are my comments. Uh, Merry Christmas, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. Same to okay? you.
3: Happy holidays. To Thanks, you. Ray. Uh Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, again, the free agents out there, and you talk about left-handed hitting, and as he pointed out and well said, the, the Chicago Cubs need balance because their offense was, I think, the sixth most, most productive last year in runs scored because they had more balance, and Bellinger was a big part of it. So if you take that left-handed power bat and production bat out of that lineup and you look at the other free agents available, After Bellinger, Martinez right-handed, Chapman right-handed, Soler right-handed, Hoskins right-handed, Hernandez right-handed. All the top hitters out there, they're all Mm right-handers. So with Scott Boros being the agent for Bellinger, he can turn to all these other teams that missed out on Yamamoto and, I'm sorry, on on Otani and say, I have that left-handed hitter. He might not be that guy, but he's the best out there and if you want to increase your production if you're the Chicago Cubs you don't have much of an argument right now for that
2: yeah no and to the to the caller's point and we know this because Bellinger came to the Cubs as a you know they call him pillow contracts but as a rebound candidate right he was trying to rebuild his market which he did wonderfully coming off of several bad years in a row after he was the MVP in 2019. He had three down seasons in 2020, the shortened COVID season. He had a uh, a so-so season, but then 165 and 210 batting averages for 21 and 22 with an OPS of 542 and then 654. I mean, certainly down years for a guy of Bellinger's talent, but we saw what he could do this year, and well, we saw how valuable he was to the Chicago Cubs this year.
3: Interesting enough, he resurrected his career by being able to choke up and hit the ball to left field mm-hmm. on two strikes, okay? And then all of a sudden you hear people saying, you know what? He had too much soft contact during the year, okay? <laughs> now, how can you have it both ways, right? Yep, yep. He became uh, – okay, I'll just say one thing. RBI is not a uh, a number that modern statistically oriented fans really concern themselves with all that much. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. He had the most RBIs of any player in baseball from July 1st on. He had 68 RBIs. The game is still about runs and run production. RBI and run scored, okay? So if you want a run producer, whether it's soft contact or not, the guy was an MVP candidate and would have been much higher up in the MVP voting he hadn't missed thirty days with an injury. Right. He
2: missed a month, but when he came back, and you just you you put it beautifully, when he came back, he was the top run producer in baseball. Right. He drove in the most runs. We watched the games. He carried that Cubs offense at times. And this is a team, and as we talked about already, they just missed the playoffs with Cody Bellinger. So where does this team go? as Cody Bellinger is no longer a member of this team. We have a lot to get to here on Inside the Clubhouse. We will talk to Ned Colletti, the former Dodgers general manager, former Cubs PR director many years ago. We'll talk to Ned at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Megan Jones is the new Cubs vice president of baseball operations. We will talk to her at the bottom of the next hour. We're going to continue to talk to you at 312-644-6767. Chicago Bound coming up next. And as a quick reminder, before... The uh, Chicago team takes on Arizona tomorrow. Tune in from noon to 3 for the PNC Bank pregame show right here on 670 to Score, presented by your local Ford dealers and Fox Valley coins. Join Mully, Olin, and Patrick Manley. They'll get you set for the game. PNC Bank, official bank of the Chicago Bears. Then immediately following the game, we'll have instant reaction from Mully, Olin, and Pat on the Great Clips postgame show presented by Tullamore Dew. All of it can be heard right here on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. When we return, Chicago bound, another pitcher from Japan. Is he going to make his way to the north side of Chicago. We'll talk about it next year. And Inside the Clubhouse.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over
6: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'll send the score.
5: I'm going to tell you something that you all should know. Chicago is the greatest place I ever know. I'm going to stay in this town. I'm gonna live in this town I'm gonna live in Chicago It's the greatest place around Cubs and Sox
1: are off for the winter, but Inside the Clubhouse starts the hot stove discussion now. Inside the Clubhouse takes a look at which free agents and trades the Cubs and Sox should explore. Will they trade for a top pitcher or player? Is free agency the way the North and South Siders go? You help them make the call. 312-644-6767. Nobody destroyed left-handers like Paul Goldschmidt did last year.
5: Got it. That right there was a good split. That's a guy that's understanding, hey, I'm going to rush him up and in, and I'm going to slow him down
1: with a split change right there. Imanaga. he's 29 years old. He's been around a while, not out of the woods yet. Nolan Arenado. first pitch swing, a ground ball, the first pick by Okamoto. He'll take it to the bag himself for the put out. and the United States is retired.
2: It's time for Chicago Bound here on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, the highlights, courtesy of Fox TV from the World Baseball Classic, Shota Imanaga. He was the starting pitcher for Japan in the WBC Championship game against Team USA. And uh, he is a, an intriguing prospect, a little older than Yamamoto, but uh, certainly a guy that's got a lot of talent, Bruce.
3: Well, the good thing is he's a Japanese pitcher with a lot of experience. Uh, he does not light up a radar gun the way that uh, some people want it, but he's a five-pitch mix guy with a 92-mile-an-hour fastball from the left side throwing a splitter, a changeup, a slider, a guy who uh, gets people out with his change most of the time. A veteran Japanese pitcher, successful last year, seven and five. Uh, he uh, threw one hundred and fifty nine innings with two six six ERA. Uh, he does not walk anybody. Mike, this guy mm-hmm. uh, strikes out about ten batters per nine innings, but only walked. 24 guys in 159 innings last year. So a pitch-to-contact guy, a sinker baller, gets a lot of ground balls. This is probably the next guy up and the guy that the Chicago Cubs will be making a pitch for here over the next couple of weeks. Now, when I say the next couple of weeks, uh, he only has, I think, until mid-January to be able to uh, decide and then, uh, have to go back to Japan. So that is the uh, deciding factor. He will be signed by middle of January. They have
2: that window that that is open uh, when they open that uh, for the Japanese players. And you mentioned the, his numbers from last season. He's uh, an eight-year vet in the Nippon Professional Baseball League over there and uh, obviously played for Team Japan, as we just heard, in the World Baseball Classic his nickname, as we both just learned, the Throwing Philosopher. And I love the fact that he is uh, not a guy who walks a lot of guys. And we saw him, if you, you want to know about how he performs under pressure, he started for Team Japan in the championship game of the WBC. I think that uh, certainly speaks to what uh, Team Japan thought of him. So a guy like this, we've seen the money that went to Yamamoto. Obviously, Yamamoto, a different uh a totally different situation based on age, based on uh, success uh, with Yamamoto having won uh, three straight MVPs over there in the in the Japanese league. But Imanaga is still a very intriguing, I don't want to say prospect as a 30-year-old, but a very
3: intriguing free agent pitcher that would fit in nicely with the Cubs. So Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins hire Mike Esposito as their negotiator for this deal and they say to Mike Mike what do you think that is a good contract for Shota Imanaga how many years how much money how far are you willing to go and again you look at your team and your situation Mike and the Chicago Cubs have good pitchers they have steel you know they they have um, three or four good pitchers but nobody that is really a power arm in the Uh, rotation Mm -hmm. with that in mind is this another contact pitcher that you um, put in the mix or is he a two or three that's going to be an impact pitcher in the National League he strikes
2: me and again this is a from a very limited uh, observation on my part he strikes me as Almost a left-handed Kyle Hendricks doesn't walk a lot of guys. He's he's going to be around the plate, smart type pitcher, guy that you, you like to have on your team in your uh, bullpen, out there working with your other pitchers, and uh, knows how to play the game and, and will get guys out. I would, I would tend toward the latter. That doesn't exactly scream huge money free agent deal, but in this market with what's left out there, right? I mean... If you're asking me, would I rather have Imanaga versus Blake Snell or Montgomery based on what those guys will likely command in free agency? I would say yes
3: right and again, he's a six inning pitcher that they throw once a week in Japan so yep. the the average uh is somewhere around twenty six starts you know something like that for a full baseball season there. You have to consider that when you're signing a Japanese pitcher, Mike that uh, unless you're considering about skipping guys or, uh, in this case, these pitchers, mm-hmm. or going to a six-man rotation, it takes them a while to get used to pitching every five days, okay? Because they pitch every six. They pitch once a week in Japan. It's a big difference, and it's, it's a determining factor for sh- uh, front office officials when they're looking at whether or not to sign these guys, give them – the money that's here and knowing that uh, they might have a little bump in the road to begin with. And I think uh, Darvish had to deal with this when he first started as well, uh, getting him up to being able to pitch every five rather than every six days.
2: There's certainly the adjustment factor. You mentioned Darvish. Uh, we saw it uh, this past year too with the uh, the Mets uh, uh, signee that uh, came over from uh and i'm blanking on his name you know who i'm talking about the mets signed uh the pitcher from from japan i believe it was uh he struggled at the beginning of the season but then was a uh star for them in the second half and i'll fi- i'll find okay. it here i'll find it here Kod- kodai, kodai senga. senga sorry i couldn't th- <laughs> lost the name for a second there but senga he he struggled at the beginning of the season getting right. used to it but once he found his footing he was great Uh, towards the end of the season and we saw the Mets go in hard the owner Steve Cohen uh, flew to Japan to to meet with Yamamoto he obviously was very much uh, involved in that uh, pursuit and ultimately Yamamoto ends up with the Dodgers but to me uh, Imanaga would be a nice addition on the north side he would fit as well in what the Cubs are doing and he would still not command the you know huge years, huge dollars that some of these other guys might.
3: So are you willing to go five years and $110 Where where are you going? I I would be willing to go,
2: I'm going to go four years, depending on what the market is. I mean, but I think that's reasonable. I think based on his history, and if you look at his, his reference page and what he's done in Japan, as you mentioned, he's made his 24, 25 starts every year. He's been consistent. He doesn't walk guys. He's a guy... The best, in my head, and this is Lodge there, he's Kyle Hendricks, he's left-handed.
3: Well, he's I mean, similar, yeah, you right? You hope he's that good. You hope he's that, exactly. You hope he's exactly. that good, and it translates. Again, uh, th- there's always the the doubt when you don't have a a guy that strikes people out, okay? What type of contact is it going to be? Because Je- Japanese baseball isn't quite the same offensively as American baseball. There's some of those fly balls that are... Um, mistakes that are caught in Japan, home runs in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the things you look at here when you're making up your mind. There has been a better handle, Mike, over the last 7, 10 years for Japanese pitchers doing well in the United States Mm -hmm. as opposed to necessarily the position players. Position players have struggled with being able to make it out the extra 10, 10 feet, 15 feet of uh, bigger ballparks in the United States mm-hmm. than uh, they are in Japan. And therefore, some projected Japanese players that hit 25 or 30 in Japan have been under 20 in the United States. And that that's a, a concern about slug when it comes to Japanese hitters. In the case of pitchers, uh, I think it's, it's more of a um, scientific know-how to um, – Look at the pitcher and predict their success. I agree, I, and I think we've seen it. Whether it was
2: you know Hideo Nomo way back when, Matsuzaka, uh, Senga, that just just recently, and uh, we see that teams were all over Yamamoto, and now next man up is uh, Shota Imanaga. So we'll see what happens there, Bruce, with uh, with his free agency. And as you mentioned, it'll be what we'll know by mid January where he's going to end up. 312 644 is our number. Bruce, let's take a quick phone call before we get uh, to our next break. Uh, out in Buffalo Grove, we have Carl talking little White Sox. Hey, Carl, good morning.
7: Yes, gentlemen, happy holidays to Same you. Same to you. And, uh, I, the question I have for you is uh, the White Sox, I'd like to see them sign a second baseman. I know they got Nicky Lopez and they got DeYoung as the to play shortstop. But how about a guy like Whit Merrifield to sign him for a couple of years? He's a veteran. Uh, I know he's he went down a little bit, but he's still a, 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 a very good ball player. And how about a guy like Robbie Grossman to play right field? I think they can get these guys, both of them, uh, at, a, at a decent contract, even though both of them are kind of old, and, and see what we can bring up from the minor leagues. The White Sox – sometimes do things like that. They get a veteran and a couple of veterans and you never know. They may be, maybe the ball club, if they have this good young pitching, which they could have, we don't know yet what these guys that we got over the winter so far, if they're going to be decent, they, they could be a decent ball club in 2024. They could surprise us. Thank you. Well,
3: Thank I you, like Carl. the optimism and happy holidays to you as well. Again, uh, Mike, What are your expectations for the Chicago White Sox? If you're a Chicago White Sox fan, Mike, Uh what are your expectations? Are you hoping that there's still a semblance of competitiveness from the veterans that they have there that can keep this team afloat in a very average to below average division? Or are you hoping that they just ignore that and say, we want to build our next great team here and we're going to down further to go up what I want to do
2: I will tell you when we return Uh, we'll use that as uh, one of our keys to the next segment we'll talk about what White Sox fans want to see going forward into next season I'll answer Bruce's questions when we return we've got a bunch of text to do as well We'll talk about some of the new rule tweaks for 2024. And at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, we'll talk to Ned Colletti, the Chicago area native, former Dodgers general manager. He will join us at 10. It's Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito. It's Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
3: I wouldn't say that they're,
2: we feel like we're knocking on the door of something, but it's more you know, getting a better idea of where we stand, whether it be you know, acquiring a guy through free agency or a trade. I will say that we're, we're, we're very organized you know, we have we've, we've done a nice job this offseason with setting out a plan and feel really good about where we're at so far and you
1: know just kind of want to continue to capture the momentum. We're back with more inside the clubhouse. Let's see what the Cubs and Sox are doing in the offseason on Sports Radio 670 the score, and always live on the free odyssey app.
2: That's White Sox general manager Chris Getz talking about their offseason. And we are back here on Inside the Clubhouse. And as we left you before the break, we were talking about expectations for the White Sox. Bruce asked me what I thought and what I hope to see from the Chicago White Sox. What I I want to see them do, Bruce, is I want to see them try to build that next great White Sox team. The problem that I know a lot of Sox fans will have with that is... That is what got them into this in the first place, right? They tried to do that. They tore it way down, way down. Sox fans knew it. They supported the rebuild. It looked like the rebuild was bearing fruit. They made the playoffs. They won the division, right? Although, albeit in the COVID year, but they did uh, have some success with that group that they built, which you thought might be the next great White Sox team. And unfortunately, here we are again at the prospect of another complete teardown. I don't know that White Sox fans have the patience for
3: that. Well, they certainly don't have the trust. Okay, Correct. So even though that uh, Ken Williams and Rick Hahn are no longer there, and by the way, Rick Hahn and Ken Williams made two great trades to set up that rebuild back in 2016 when they traded Sale uh, and they traded Adam Eaton for uh, a bunch of players that helped out immensely moving forward. But that said, Mike, uh, the trust isn't there in the White Sox front office. uh, And Chris and the front office, they know it. They understand it. They get it. Their job is to get better players, better pitchers, guys that know how to play together as teammates, guys that know how to play defense, more athletic players that can do some things with the new rules uh, without the, the shifting involved. Uh, stealing bases, playing great on defense—all these things are what the future hopefully holds for the White Sox under Chris Getz and his front office moving forward. But there is no real equity built up there right now. I mean, uh, I don't. Th- if you-, you sat here and Chris was with us, and we do expect him to be on in the next week or so, he would tell us he gets it. He understands that although he's the voice of the White Sox in the front office, that according to White Sox fans, he's done nothing and proved nothing. Okay? So go show us something, then we'll show up. We'll support you. Uh, we're Sox fans. We're not going to be Cub fans just because our, our team failed and the organization is in a uh, rebuild right now. We we will continue to watch you, and we'll let you know when you're viable again. He's got to make the most of the assets
2: that he has, uh, whether it's Dylan Cease, Aloy, we know we heard from Ron on the south side uh, who, who wants to see that uh, trade happen. But we'll see what Chris Getz and company are able to get for the assets that the White Sox have and where they start the season. I tend to agree with you that they end up more pitching defense uh, and getting rid of some of the the name guys that they have. Yeah. I got a good chuckle out of this from the three two three Bruce. Why get Merrifield when Mustakis and Hosmer are available? I'm sure they could talk Kane into playing well, a little bit. <laughs> and, and, another,
3: and another caller uh, eight four seven reminds me: don't forget the Quintana trade that got them cease and uh, and Ela. And, and isn't that ironic? Yep. Six years later, that we're talking about them being the top two guys that they want to move. It is. It is absolutely. You know, the, it's come full circle
2: for. The Chicago White Sox and hey, the Cubs could use some pitching. They maybe a return well, for Mr. I, think, Cease. See,
3: I You know, we'll talk about this uh, as we progress in the show. But I think Cease to the Cubs is the logical deal for both teams.
2: Yep, and we'll get. We didn't have time. We'll get to the new rule tweaks uh, for 2024. We'll get to that later on in the program. We need to take a break, though, because coming up next, former Dodgers GM, Chicago area native Ned Coletti joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. It's Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
6: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?